This is the top left corner at the Greylock Glass. And this is the top left corner, episode number 183. Here on the Greylock Glass, greylockglass.com, the Berkshire's mightiest independent alternative news thing. I'm your host, Jay Velasquez, known in an alternate zip code as The Mongrel. Welcome. Welcome to the show. This is going to be a great show we have for you today. A former Pittsfield select, uh, select board council, city council member, uh, media personality, and mayoral candidate John Kroll with us today. It's going to be a great conversation didn't pull any punches. I asked the tough questions, and I'll let you decide for yourself how he did. Um, before we get to that conversation, though, I do have an announcement from one of our sponsors, the Foundry, West Stockbridge, but I'd be telling you about this even if they were not our sponsors, because this is great stuff. Uh, this month, there is a residency at the Foundry, and I'll tell you about it. Uh, this fall, the Foundry continues to support organizations that align with their mission of giving a platform to often unheard voices. The first couple of weeks of September, the Foundry has offered an in-kind contribution of space to hold a theater residency in development through a collaboration with Second Street Second Chances in Pittsfield. The nonprofit's mission is to provide a central point of access where formerly incarcerated people of Berkshire County connect with the tools, programs, and support to encourage a successful reentry into a more welcoming community with dignity and sustainable opportunities to thrive. Uh, the resulting performance is going to be held at Berkshire Community College uh, at the end of September. I think it's September 22nd, but... Uh, uh, let's see, I think I'm going to have it over here, yeah. Yeah, in fact, I can go on a little bit further because um, the program, Hear Me Out, is a process of inspiring trust and creative risk-taking, telling stories and sharing dreams and aspirations. Uh, the participants will find narrative threads, identify themes, and build the world of the play they have generated. The goals of this uh, this, ish, this issue, whatever... Um, of release are using the power of live performance to provide an outlet for presently and formerly incarcerated individuals to share their stories and life experiences through devising and shaping an entirely original, entirely original piece of theater and to educate the public on the issues of incarceration and reentry in a highly personal way and challenging our stereotype of this population. Performances will take place at the Robert Robert Bullen Theater at Berkshire Community College on September 20th and 23rd, 2023 at 7 p.m. and September 26th at 2 p.m. They will be free and open to the public. Each show will be followed by a talkback where audience members can ask the cast direction uh, questions directly, facilitating community dialogue. And this is co-directed and facilitated by, well, two of my favorite names in the theater world in the Berkshires, Amy Brentano and Sarah Katzoff. So this is going to be a really, I have a feeling, a moving show. Bring your hanky. 
because these types of things, they just hit me hard, hit me so hard. Uh, so that is a really fascinating way of putting theater <clears throat> to, to great social use. Now, let's get on with our conversation with John Kroll right here on the top left corner. John, thanks so much for being on the top left corner. Hey, Jason. It is a pleasure to, to finally meet you, at least virtually, and uh, I look forward to the conversation. The feeling is mutual. I can't believe in all this time we haven't, uh, we haven't crossed paths before. I mean, I think I've, I've run into, I've sort of seen you across the room at different events, but we've not gotten a chance to, to, to meet. So yeah, so a virtual handshake and, and a good to meet you. Um, you actually, this is going to be, I think the Greylock Glass's last, um, candidate interview during a campaign. Um, I, I don't, I, I enjoy them. I enjoy them, but they're really, it's tough to put together, especially in one year we had, I think 12 candidates in North Adams, for city council, and that just about killed me. Um, but you are not just the you know the the mayor of a, of a small town amongst many towns. Uh, this is the county seat we're talking about. What happens in Pittsfield affects what happens throughout the county. So I think it was really important uh, at this sort of pivotal uh, election, which I think it's it's going to be no matter who wins, um, to get a good sense of who the candidates are. So, John, let's, uh, for those who don't know you, could you give us a uh, sort of, you know, your or your superhero origin story, let us know where you're from and, and how you got to where you are now. Hey, thank you so much for, for the opportunity. You know, I, I was born and raised in Pittsfield, and uh, I had a wonderful childhood here, um, raised by my two parents and one brother and two older sisters who uh, kept me in line. Uh, but I can tell you that uh, really this city is at the core of, of who I am. You know, we have uh, a city that is wonderful and uh, supports each other. And also, hey, you got to say, there's a little bit of chip on our shoulder uh, in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. And, uh, and that's a of where we are today economically and otherwise with the legacy of GE, uh, but also with the opportunity to position ourselves as the true Berkshires city. And I believe that's something that we've never truly been able to attain uh, to elevate ourselves as the hub culturally and economically uh, in, in the city, at least for the last three decades. Uh, we, we got close uh, a couple of times, but I really want to finish that, that job. So I was able to, after going to the University of Pennsylvania, uh, graduating in 2000 in Philadelphia, uh, I came back and became a journalist. And I was at the old North Adams transcript. That was my very first job out of college. And I was a reporter. And that's where I really cut my teeth on understanding town government, municipal government, budgets, understanding line items, understanding how it works with state funding, uh, understanding the powers of uh, even uh, what the Board of Selectmen have in small towns and ultimately understanding what a mayor does, for instance, in North Adams, as I covered, uh, John Barrett III was the mayor at the time. And uh, later I went into radio and was able to work under uh, the Thurstons at WNAW and WMMB in North Adams under the old Berkshire Broadcasting. And, uh, and that was a wonderful experience. That was the first opportunity where I had to interview people. Uh, it was the 
opinion program, the legacy uh, talk show back at the back in that time. And that was a wonderful experience, which then led me to WAMC Northeast Public Radio. I was the Berkshire Bureau Chief for about a year before Jim Roberto, the mayor of Pittsfield, asked me to come work for him. He loved my writing. He loved the, what I did as far as our stories about Pittsfield and sort of taking it to a, a new level and, and deeper understanding for the WAMC listeners. And, uh, and really, at first, I didn't think I was going to take that job. I really didn't think I was going to leave broadcasting. But then I got quiet and really thought, wow, I have an opportunity to do something special for my hometown. And to some extent, the, the rest has been history because that fire that started then still burns today. I really believe that our city has an opportunity to elevate uh, to a new level. Um, you know, I became a city councilor. Uh, I was there for a decade uh, on the dais, and uh, I had two terms as the vice president of the council. We were able to get Taconic High School built. Uh, we were able to do some wonderful things for my uh, ward in West Pittsfield, Ward 6. And, um, and ultimately, you know, as, as a profession, um, you know, I have my own small business that I've had for about a dozen years. I started uh, that time ago and uh, also uh, have worked in the corporate world uh, in addition to working in City Hall for uh, those two years with Jim Roberto. So um, I know there's a lot to unpack there, but I am a dad, <laughs> which is most important. Uh, I'm a husband, and uh, I'm also a baseball coach, and uh, I'm very committed to my my children, my family, and and certainly this community. Wow, I don't know that anybody could uh, summarize their their life story so succinctly. So that was great. <laughs> um, I know on your website there are some more details, and we'll put a link, of course, to that in the show notes. So that people can dig deeper if they if they feel so inclined. But that was that was a pretty com- comprehensive rundown of of experiences. Um, and I do want to comment because this is going to sort of be my first uh, sort of question or, or topic. Uh, you were in the news media uh, for a while, which is as you're no stranger to the to this. The news media across the country, the local news media, is taking a beating. Uh, We've lost, since 2004, across the country, about 3,000 print newspapers, and there is really almost no way to know how many digital papers like the Greylock Glass or iBerkshire's have have sunk since 2004. But, you know, we're talking at least 3,000 local news sources and that leaves a huge gap uh, where people used to be there to be the watchdogs for the public um, when it comes to things like corruption, uh, government efficiency, government spending, um, uh, self-dealing. Um, tell me something in your time as a journalist, your time in City Hall and your time in business. Um, What's your take on the the corruption level in the Berkshires? I have heard things that sometimes just shock me, um, you know, and I try to you know to investigate them as much as I can. Difficult being a one man operation, but what is your take on the corruption in the Berkshires? And do you th- what what can we do to combat that? That's a really interesting question because uh, there's there's two there's two sides to this from from my perspective, and that is, uh, is it is it likely that there is uh, corruption? Uh, the answer has to be yes. 
um, on some level. Um, however, how much do I know about it or am I aware of it? Not much because, you know, only the corrupt uh, are corruptible. Um, and uh, so, you know, in my time as a city councilor, I have never been approached with uh, something that, uh, that, you know, would, would, you know, be a smoking gun as far as that goes. So, um, so that's, that's the kind of challenge that, you know, I have when I think about these things. Um, uh, you know, when you look at it, here, here's the thing. You have millions of dollars uh, that are being uh, divvied out uh, every year grants and uh, federal funding and all kinds of uh, dollars and a lot of power when it comes to uh, contracts and bidding and things along those lines. Um, you know, so the answer, uh, I guess, is it, it's, it's hard to imagine that there isn't some level to what extent uh, is it. I don't know, and, and certainly I can't, uh, you know, name names or anything along those lines. Sure, but sure. Um, but I can tell you that when it comes to the local media, you are a thousand percent correct that the dearth of local media does open the door more to these kinds of things because simply it is volume. So when you get a tip, all right, and you have one major newspaper that only has basically one reporter to uh, cover a city um, and then maybe small newspapers um, and those are drying up. It's just, a, it's just a question of capacity. And so, you know, it. if you worked in uh, the, the newspaper world or, um, or even in radio, you pretty much have a quota. You gotta, you gotta have your two stories a day. And so when you're doing that and you're pumping out content, you're pumping out these stories to sit back and breathe and be able to get a tip and be able to follow up and be able to ask the tough questions and be able to go and do the uh, FOIA requests and, and everything along those lines, that takes time. And that is time, unfortunately, that a vast majority of journalists do not have. Oh, and sure. so, yeah. so when you say that, um, you are 100% correct. And, um, and it's very, very sad uh, because, you know, that is, uh, the check and balance uh, in uh, in government uh, to to be able to uh, to combat uh, corruption. So yeah, so no, it's it's true. When I I was my first job out my first newspaper job, I was uh, a reporter for the Sentinel Enterprise out in in Worcester County, which is a little bit larger than the Eagle, but not much. It's about the same. And you know, I covered as bureau chief uh, the city of Lemonster alone. It's a city of fifty five thousand people that I covered alone. And no matter how many hours a day I would put in, I could only do the bare minimum. You know, I could only yeah. report on what happened at city council meetings or school committee meetings. I couldn't necessarily analyze it, couldn't make any sense of it, and certainly couldn't spot, you know, more than a little bit of suspicious activity. I guess as the mayor, um, you know, if you were to win, you can certainly set a tone you know, you can certainly make yeah. it known that you don't put well, up. Let me, let me tell you, yeah, let me tell you, uh, and Jason, and this, and this may or may not be helpful as it relates to that sort of investigative piece, but I do intend on being the most accessible mayor in the history of Pittsfield. And, you know, there's a few components to that, but one of those components is to have an open press conference each and every week. Uh, no topic, no particular uh, focus. Uh, just every week, uh, say Thursday at three o'clock, I don't know, pick a time, 
you know, uh, we will have uh, any and all journalists who wish to be a part of it come in and ask questions and have a conversation. Hmm. Um, I think that's um, I think that's old school. I think you know, politics has been so controlled; it has become so staged that we forget that it wasn't long ago that JFK would just sit there and take questions from uh, hundred reporters out there and and take real questions, and they weren't. You know, and they and, and there was nothing staged. Um, yeah. You know, we can we can do that in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. That's that's easy. Um, you know, I, I really enjoy talking to a journalist because I understand the perspective that uh, that you come from. And I think it is a critical piece uh, for people not only just to feel uh, that they have access, but uh, to actually provide that real understanding of, hey, this is the everyday. And. Hey, we did say last week that we are going to work on this project. We tried. We really didn't get much progress this week, but we're going to keep at it. You know, just just be honest. You know, sure. just be honest. And and when we screw up, we're going to admit it. <laughs> you know, and and I feel like people respect that. Um, people really want to see government uh, more open and accessible, and and so that's what I really want to bring to the table. That's um, that's a good answer, and and I like the idea of bringing back the the old school, you know, weekly press press conference. That that is an amazing suggestion, and and I hope if you win, that uh, you're able to follow through with that. I started with corruption because to me, um, everything else that you and other candidates say you'd like to see in Pittsfield depend. On, on transparency and on honest government, um, you talk about bringing business back into the Berkshires, um, and I think that you need to have a fairly clean uh, landscape. You know, you, it's got to take root in good soil. You know, that's that's what business needs. Um, so, Amen. when you've got when you've got the We've got the, the the real estate, the commercial, industrial, and residential real estate. Um, we've got, you know, we've got colleges that are able to help train people, uh, and, and high schools. We've got some you know, tech schools there. Um, there's a whole bunch of opportunity that has not really garnered the the sort of results that I know a lot of people are desperate to see. What is your vision of what a a, th- a thriving or an on, on its way to thriving business community would look like? That's a wonderful question. And first and foremost, when I look at business, uh, first we have to look internally and say, how are we doing as it relates to encouraging businesses to set up shop in Pittsfield and also to help them grow in Pittsfield? And honestly, Jason, Right now, we are not doing a good job with that because our permitting process in our building inspections office is clunky at best and uh, at times can be very, very difficult. So, um, you know, no one in any way, shape or form is saying that we uh, have to uh, not follow codes. Of course, we have to make sure we maintain safety and codes and and all of, of that. However, there is an approach as far as your culture. And we need to shift our culture to one in which we are working with businesses, working with contractors, working with architects and engineers to find solutions to make it work 
as opposed to putting up roadblocks. That's a very key part of what we are proposing in this campaign. Um, and I think that is, uh, if you talk to business owners in Pittsfield or people even attempting to, to do business in Pittsfield, this is clear that mm. there are real challenges there. So, um, so that's going to be one of the first things that we address um, under, under my administration potentially. Um, I look at Pittsfield, like I mentioned, in the heart of the Berkshires. Um, we have a downtown that, unlike Lenox, unlike Great Barrington, um, is, is devoid of, of foot traffic uh, in a real sense. And yet we have the core components of it. Here we have a Tony Award-winning theater company. We have a, a six-screen stadium seat movie theater. My gosh, uh, you know, a hotel that uh, is, is the envy of, of many small communities, a boutique hotel that's world-class, a downtown hardware store. We have so many key components, but in between, we don't have the level of retail that gives us the foot traffic, I think, that, that we can attain. So, um, so there are some things that I, I would like to do. You know, back in the early 2000s, we had a project called the Storefront Artist Project, which uh, was remarkable. Maggie Mailer was uh, the leader with Peter Dudek, and it was innovative, and it brought life to those empty storefronts. And I think there's a way we can revitalize that concept today to bring new life to those uh, spaces, but also it's time to really get serious about recruiting businesses um, back to Pittsfield. And uh, gosh, I mean, think about it. We don't even have a bagel shop in downtown Pittsfield. Um, you know, we could use a chocolate shop. We could use a toy store. We could use a bakery. So that's one component because the downtown is your front footstep. And, and, and there are some business owners who have said, hey, John, you're focusing a little bit too much on the downtown. You know, don't forget about us over in the Allendale Shopping Center, and don't forget about us about us about the uh, at the Downing Industrial Park. These sort of things, and uh, and I agree. Um, however, the downtown is the front doorstep, so I think we need to to start there and re-energize our efforts there. And then finally, um, you raised uh, an idea about workforce, and when we built Taconic High School. Um, it was made very much for this. That is, we have a desperate shortage of plumbers, electricians, uh, carpenters, uh, and uh, car mechanics. There, there are so many of these positions, and there is so uh, that, that there's a demand for these positions that I think Taconic High School is going to play a key role uh, in that. And do, the more that we can do between Taconic High School working with Berkshire Community College. That is, that's where some of the magic can happen. So, um, so my goal will be to elevate that. As you know, Taconic High School, we made a bit of an error when Taconic High School was first built, that when it was first built, we had all these students from Reed Middle School who were like, wow, we got a, a new high school. Of course, we're going to go to the new high school. And the principal at the time said, yep, bring them in. But the problem was we brought in a lot of traditional students who weren't career tech students. So the school committee uh, ultimately made that change. So we're 100% career tech, which I think ultimately is going to be helpful as we look to address these challenges. There are so many great opportunities for the trades. And I talked to gentlemen um, in tradesmen in, in our uh, unions, uh, and, and they say the same thing that, gosh, if we could uh, produce 50 more plumbers, you know, 50 more electricians or more, um, that would make a huge impact and help business and help a lot of families uh, 
grow and, and prosper in, in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Uh, so that's something that is absolutely going to be a focus. I think that's, uh, I, and that's a great high school, by the way. It's just a fantastic, um, it's a fantastic structure and it's really well designed. It's attractive. Um, but uh, I think there's, there's a side of the bringing businesses in that it's it's got to happen, but there's also generating business here at home. New York State has this really neat program um, wherein they give out grants to groups of people, mostly you know in the sort of trades, who are looking to start um, worker-owned co-ops. And that's a it's a business where everybody gets you know everybody puts in and everybody gets. Uh, you know, an equal share of the profits and things like that. Um, it works really yep. well with things like, uh, you know, stores, you know, like uh, like a sort of co-op, you know, grocery stores. Works really well with um, restaurants, farms. Um, but it could just as easily work with, say, a small boutique furniture company, wherein we have, you know, you could probably find 25 people who are great yep. woodworkers who would... <clears throat> you know, potentially get together, start a shop where they can even perhaps have a storefront on Main Street as well. Um, you know, sort of the, the Ethan Allen Jr. of the Berkshires. Um, and I know that this can work because there's a play, there's a fellow over in Shelburne Falls who is selling $25,000, you know, kitchen sets. Um, and uh, so I know it's possible. I think, and this isn't obviously you didn't have any chance to review this this notion, so I'm not going to ask you to to comment too much no, on I'm, it. No, uh, Jason, I'm I'm very I'm very aware of that concept and that model, and I want to tell you that there, I think over time has been opportunities where if we were creative, that that was something that perhaps we could have worked through with some innovation um, uh, in the past. But 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 here's the thing, the great thing about a model like that, a worker-owned model, is that, first of all, it makes sure that those profit margins stay in the pockets of local people. So that's incredibly important. So the, the, the time, effort, energy, and the skills that individuals are putting in to, to building things, uh, to creating a product that has value, that it stays in this community. And uh, I am a huge supporter of anything that we can do that is sustainable in that way, that the dollars circulate back here. For instance, I think that uh, taking the, the steps to food sustainability is a huge opportunity right now. I don't think there is better time to take the first real steps at bringing back food sustainability than now. You have uh, people getting crushed at the grocery store uh, with the inflation. Um, we're also understanding how unhealthy corporate food is ultimately for our people. And when it comes down to it, we have land, we have the expertise, we have the knowledge. Then think about how do we organize this in a way uh, where we can scale. So, um, you know, I've had some conversations with our, our friends at, um, at Rise, Roots Rising and, and others. And, you know, this this is real. You know, if, if we can take the steps and put ourselves in a position that we can really uh, create this at a level that's just beyond 
a community garden, which are which are also great, <laughs> by the way. Um, but uh, but I think we can scale it to a place where it can really make a positive economic impact in our community. So anything that we can bring local worker owned within our own ecosphere, um, that's a positive step. That's an excellent point. And I, I think that we already have so much of the infrastructure in place right now uh, to build upon mm-hmm. to to make it you know to make it grow yeah the uh, the great thing about it is and 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 you could have worker owned farms as well worker owned farm stands the great thing about the worker owned model too <clears throat> is if you've got say a shop with 25 people working in it let's say you've got you know 20 or 30 of those shops if two or three of them don't make it that doesn't bring the whole economy down you know that's that, that's a few shops that's not like you know watching you know 3000 jobs just get sucked out to either down south or overseas um which is you know obviously kind of where the entire industrial uh ecosphere of the berkshires has has gone i mean it's it's really a, a staggering thing we've done a lot to mitigate but that's only in part because we've lost so many people over the last 30 years, um, especially in places like North. Hey, everything okay? Yes, I'm fine. Honey. Hey, I'm here for you. Tell me about school today. When kids can't find the right words, music can help them sound it out. Talk to the kids in your life about their emotional well-being. Find tools and resources at sounditouttogether.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and Pivotal Ventures. Um, but Pittsfield is a, as I said, it's a, it's the hub. Um, and you mentioned that some people say that, uh, John, let's, let's not forget about, you know, the other parts of town, whether it's South Pittsfield or, or East Pittsfield. Um, and that's true, but it is the case that for visitors, downtown is, that's the, the face of, of the city. I mean, that's the forward-looking, public-facing uh, <clears throat> zone. And there are a lot of challenges that, any incoming administration is going to be facing that have been dealt with to greater and lesser degrees uh, by past mayors. Um, let's talk about let's talk about um, homelessness. Let's talk about um, the the drug problem. Those are two things that every every visitor can't help but run across if they walk up North Street a few blocks. Yeah, it um, it definitely is a challenge, and you know it's something that we have to address with empathy and, and compassion, um, but also I, I think it was just with a, a level of sensible uh, accountability. I feel as though um, having downtown foot patrol will be helpful, uh, not in a punitive way, but in a way that is able to increase communication uh, between the business owners and uh, individuals who need help. Um, and I feel as though working with the social service agencies is really important. I, I'm not sure if you're aware, I'm sure you are, but it is a six month wait 
in order to get a mental health appointment if you have mass health uh, at the Breen Center. And the Breen Center is the provider for uh, those with mass health um, in those particular cases. So we're talking about mental health addiction kinds of uh, challenges. Um, so looking at that backlog, uh, we, we really got to have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation here with our state legislators, um, you know, with our friends at the Breen Center, and I have spoken to the executive director there about those challenges, that there is a massive amount of turnover in the social service uh, world when it comes to those frontline uh, uh, engagement uh, positions. And, uh, you know, basically a social worker at the, at the Breen Center may be there for about two years or so. And at that point, uh, they receive a, a higher license and often they will leave uh, at that point, uh, partly because they can get a higher wage um, and partly because, frankly, there's burnout. Um, right. It is a tough uh, it is a tough job. There's no question about it. So I think mass health reimbursement is something that we need to look at and advocate for, but also understand, OK, you know, how how are these funds being used? Um, and, and what are the wages based on, uh, the overall allocation of these resources? Um, so I, you know, I think that's a big, it's a pretty complex conversation. I've worked in healthcare in the past, so I'm very familiar with these kinds of things and, um, and, uh, reimbursements and such, but I feel as though that, um, we'll never really address these challenges unless we're able to make sure we have enough resources and enough uh, people in uh, these positions in our social service agencies, um, because uh, there is a lot of uh, need there. There's a lot of addiction, um, certainly homelessness, as you mentioned, and uh, and and mental health uh, challenges. No question about it. I'm glad that you started off from a place of empathy, because I think that's mm. critical. Whether it's you know whether you're dealing with addiction, whether you're dealing with mental health issues, um, <clears throat> whether you're dealing with um, homelessness, you know. I have heard, I follow this issue almost maniacally, really, um, because I always feel like there's got to be a solution. We are have an amazing amount of resources in this country. We have an amazing amount of data. Oh, and, and yet yeah. people don't come up with solutions. You know, once upon a time, um, and you can tour the Berkshires, tour Massachusetts, Connecticut, a lot of the New England towns, and the towns have a... a, a uh, often have a road called Town Farm Road. And a lot of folks don't know what Town Farm Road comes from, but like a lot of great things uh, that you see uh, in New England towns, like the Gallows Road, if you think about it, it, it comes to you. Um, Town Farm Road typically indicates that at one point in time, it was a farm that was owned by the town, some property that was a place where those who had no means uh, could live. Uh, they wouldn't have to pay rent. They would work on the farm. They'd basically sell. They would grow the food for themselves to, to feed themselves and to sell for whatever they needed. Now, it wasn't intended to be punitive. It wasn't a workhouse to, to speak of, but it was mm -hmm. the case that if you happen to be, let's say, a Oh, I don't know, a, a soldier, you know, who, uh, you know, you're 75 years old, you're a veteran, you've got nowhere to go. This was a place that you could have a little cabin and uh, you could be cared for and it could give you, you know, some dignity, you know, in, in tough times. I often wonder yep. if, if 
and this is maybe a much larger, well, it's definitely a much larger conversation, but if you couldn't combine our agricultural capacity with social services, healthcare, mental health services, addiction treatment, uh, into a sort of a town farm model where people can have dignity, they can learn skills, they can get, you know, get the help they need, and also do it in a place that's sort of holistic, you know, do it in a place that's yeah. a natural setting. Just something to sort of tuck into your into your subconscious there when you're looking for solutions. Well, well, there's a key there's a key value there that um, when you talk to people who work in uh, addiction uh, recovery fields, um, often what they talk about for people who go and and they relapse, um, and, and this may sound simple, but you know, again, I'm not, I don't, I don't work directly in this field, but this is what I hear from uh, individuals who work in that field. Often people relapse because they don't have something to do. Mm. And I know that sounds very, very simple, but, but it's actually quite deep in the sense that, okay, there is nothing ultimately that provides perhaps purpose and purpose is the key. So, you know, as I understand it and how I feel about this, so individuals who are recovering from addiction, for example, or, you know, many of these challenges, mental health, homelessness, you know, if you provide purpose, I think that's what you're talking about in part. And, and it is an, an amazing concept. So I feel as though that's wonderful. And, and, and whether it's a farming aspect or whether it's cooking, um, you know, teaching, you know, something that's tactile often is, is helpful. Um, you know, these kinds of things. So uh, that's absolutely the frame of mind that I have in working with the people who are the experts in this. Don't, you know, make no mistake. Sure. I'm not an expert in this. However, I think it, I, I, and I, and I do think that this is the role of the mayor, even though the mayor is supposedly that the, I mean, the role is that you are the CEO of city services and a city budget. And, um, and you have that sort of corner of work to do. I, I look at the mayor's position as, a, as an expansive role, and the mayor ought to be uh, providing guidance on these types of things. So, um, so I really appreciate that, that idea and that concept. And when it comes down to it, it is, about, it is about purpose. And if we're creative enough, we can find a way that that purpose enhances the community as a whole. Well, that would be, that would be you know, an ideal situation. Um, and the last question that I've got for your last topic, I know that I promised I wouldn't keep you too long, but um, <laughs> this is this is the uh, this is to me sort of wraps it up. We have an, an amazing uh, and atrocious, really, uh, economic divide in the Berkshires that goes that is so invis invisible to so many people. You're never going to eliminate poverty, um, but certainly through jobs, through better education, you can mitigate it a little bit. But rather than talk about the most abject poverty or the things that we can do to to mitigate it in the short term, what can we do to bring people who are at the at the the, the lower income levels of the local economy in Pittsfield um, into the mainstream so that they feel they are part of the community. Do you know what I mean? You know, once upon a time, I mean, if you look at a Norman Rockwell painting, okay, 
the painting uh, the freedom of speech you know it's a little town a little town hall and there's a guy standing up and he's speaking and he's clearly some sort of a mechanic or something and he's sitting next to some guy in a three-piece suit um it speaks to a time when everybody felt like they had the right to participate maybe the responsibility to participate and that that they weren't going to get chased away um the people i talked to often feel and i talked to a lot of people um especially in the service economy uh you know and landscapers waiters you name it um when i asked them you know how do they feel about you know the ability of the the city to to make a comeback they always talk about it in terms of what other people are doing how do we get people to the point where they feel like they can and should and would be welcomed to join into these these processes wow um <laughs> uh that is that is a wonderful question and uh we probably could could have an entire forum and uh and uh three hour podcast on this but just looking at it from the political perspective i i guess this is also framing the the challenge as well um when you look at running a campaign um how do you approach things? There are many campaigns that simply go to what are called super voters, you know, so, you know, and, and they're going to spend all their time trying to engage and trying to get those people who vote all the time into the political process. And I find that incredibly unfortunate because what happens is then that just leads into a vicious cycle of people being involved and continuing to be, and then those who are not involved uh, continuing to feel as though they are not involved. Um, so you can kind of take that concept. And the reason why I mentioned that is because you can kind of take that concept and relate it to all kinds of different areas, economics. Um, you can look at education, um, as, as well. Um, you know, it is my goal, uh, for sure to, uh, engage the full spectrum of our community in, in this campaign. I feel as though that when it comes to the uh, economics of our downtown, for instance, yeah, there's been a history of, you know, saying, okay, well, we want to position ourselves in the, the cultural heart of the Berkshires. But at the same time, we've also had Third Thursdays that were perhaps the most diverse events that this county has ever seen. And it was a huge success for many, many years um, on that level. So, you know, I think that uh, tapping back into that community in that in that sense and saying we we are we are open and we are going to engage. I represented the West Side for uh, a decade. And there are people who t t today uh, in the West Side neighborhood still feel as though the kids uh, do not feel comfortable, for instance, going to the boys club. <laughs> they would they, they want to have a community uh, center in the West Side because uh, they feel as though that it is not fully uh, for them. Um, you know, there, there, as you said it, there are divides. Uh, there are definite, definite divides. Um, I feel as though that, uh, that there are great opportunities to bridge that divide. Um, there's no silver bullet to it. There's, there's no solution, but I think, it's a, but I think it is a, uh, a mentality coming into this, you know, that, that who are you representing and what is the city of Pittsfield? And the city of Pittsfield is the most diverse uh, municipality in the Berkshires uh, by far. 
and um, and so you know having represented the, the West Side neighborhood in the past, um, you know I I have a, a unique insight um, into this divide uh, to some extent, um, and I think there are opportunities, but um, I, I don't have a great answer, Jason, on how to do it. It's just uh, doing it at every single pass and having that in mind and having that be a part of the ether as you approach uh, every single day uh, in City Hall. All right. Well, I think um, I think you know, as I said, it's it's a huge topic, and and I, I didn't expect a a, a formula, you know, a recipe uh, to just sort of come <laughs> pouring out. And so, but no, I think. Um, I think the idea that it's an attitude, it's a, I think he's used the word mentality. I think that's, if that is your mentality to be inclusive and not just as lip service, because we hear that word so darn often. And I don't always see that the results of inclusivity end up being with a whole bunch of people included. Um, and so it's, it's gotta be more than a buzzword. It's gotta be something that you, that you live and that you practice. And it sounds like um, you've got some experience doing that. So that's, that's encouraging. I want to thank you so very much for taking this uh, bonus time. You realize I'm going to have to give your opponents the same amount of time now. Um, but, hey. uh, you know, I'll see you and I'll raise you 15 more. <laughs> that's okay. The more time, the merrier. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, you know, I I had a uh, an acquaintance who told me once, if you ever really want to get to know somebody, talk to them for twenty minutes because for fifteen minutes they can hold their crazy in. After twenty minutes, the crazy <laughs> the crazy starts to leak out. So you did pretty good. That, that was about forty five minutes, but you're a professional, so you know you've got the I you've know. got the skills. I guess I should ask you. You know, you've got the media, you've got the journalism. Um, you've got the political things. You're not just trying to become a new Jerry Springer because, you know, he was the mayor of no. Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kidding. the thing is, he was mayor first. He was that, mayor first, and then he became a that's talk true. show guy, right? That's true. That's true. <laughs> well, we I'm could do worse. Well, there you go. All right. Well, once you give uh, listeners a chance to um, to know where to go to find out more. Sure. Um our website is crawl4pittsfield.com. That's crawl, F-O-R, pittsfield.com. And we're also on Facebook, uh, John Kroll for Pittsfield Mayor, uh, also on Instagram, and uh, certainly LinkedIn as well for you folks who are in the professional world. Um, don't post quite as much on LinkedIn as, as the others, but uh, primarily it's Facebook and Instagram. Um, but certainly uh, we would love to hear from you. There is plenty of opportunity to communicate through the website, uh, Facebook and Instagram. I look forward to meeting anyone who wants to sit down and have a coffee, tea, uh, or any other warm beverage, typically. All right. Well, we will put links to all of these things in the show notes. Uh, so for now, John, stay cool, and yeah. we will talk to you soon. Oh, Jason, what a great pleasure. It was great meeting you and a lovely conversation. And I look forward to meeting you in person soon. Likewise. Take care. And that was our conversation with John Kroll. What'd you think? Is is he the guy? Is he the person to uh, lead Pittsfield into the next? Well, I guess we're not really into the next anything, but uh, certainly towards the next decade. Uh, certainly leadership is, is called for, and uh, he seems to think he's he's got the chops for it. 
Uh, we'll find out if the voters think so, too, in just over a week. So that is the show. Remember, the links are on the show notes, uh, including links to the the performance uh, of release, uh, which I told you about at the beginning of this, this show. And uh, if you have any questions, if you have any suggestions, email me at news at graylockglass.com. Hot news tips. Um, definitely you can send them there. However, this is important. This is very important. Okay, people? That's why I save it till the end sometimes. Um, if you have a news tip that is sensitive in nature to the point that it that it could threaten your health, safety, or, or even occupation, um, you might not want to just send it directly in the clear um, to news at graylockglass.com. You might want to go to the Contact Us page at graylockglass.com and... Right at the top of the page, there are some opportunities to contact us through secure channels. Um, I think we're the only news organization that does that. Um, don't even contact us before you use those channels, okay? Don't say, hey, I have some really highly sensitive stuff I want to send you. Should I use the the, the highly sensitive secure channels? Don't ask that question. If you are even wondering, go straight to the Contact Us page. Look for the secure channels. One of those is Signal, one of my faves, uh, or ProtonMail. Get yourself a secure ProtonMail account and send it to us that way. So it is encrypted end-to-end. Do that. Save yourself the hassle. Don't suffer and languish in jail like, like... you know, Bradley Manning or uh, Reality Winner or or Julian Assange, uh, who all, all tried to do good things, uh, informing the public about, uh, well, sensitive information and found out uh, that you just you can never be too careful. So do that. All right. Enough said. Until next time, say stay safe, be good to each other and go easy on yourself. Bye now.